It's the Article 7 Podcast, talking all about... The end of the world as we know it. Yes, hello and welcome. Talking about the end of the world as we know it on the Article 7 podcast. What is that? It's not a music podcast, but rather a ministry podcast uh, all about Bethany Lutheran Church located at 2501 Beacon Hill Road in Alexandria, Virginia or www.bethany, that is B-E-T-H-A-N-Y dash L-C-M-S dot O-R-G. I'm Pastor Andy Jago, the pastor of Bethany, and uh, we're going to hear today something that either you're going to experience something we have never done before with this podcast, and that is I'm putting two sermons into one episode. Now, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you press the stop button, hold on. Let me tell you three things. First, uh, I'm just going to give you the highlights of the sermons. I'm not going to give you the whole thing. Uh, there's there's actually a lot of repetition where I'm repeating some of the same things from one to the other. So uh, these kind of fit together, too. Based on They're both based on Matthew 25. Uh, based on two parables of Jesus in Matthew 25. I'll explain that a little bit later in the sermon notes. Uh, there's also going to be music uh, here, some kind of music. I'm not sure exactly what it will be as I'm recording this, uh, but something good, I'm sure. And uh, the end of the world, not what you think probably. So I'll be right back with some sermon notes, clips from the first message, and then a song uh, and then close to the second message and then a song after that. So please stick around. Oh, good. You stuck around. Thank you so much for that. So these two sermons that are coming up in, uh, for, from recorded in the month of November, uh, right at the very end of the church here, uh, traditionally the time where the harvest is being gathered into the storehouses if it was an agricultural society uh, in the church, uh, traditionally, right at the end of the church area, you hear a lot of teaching about the end times, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the judgment, you know, those sorts of things, uh, the end of the world. Now, most people think of that as, you know, book of Revelation, apocalypse coming, um, you know, and that sort of thing. Well, really, I think that what these sermons focus in on is the fact that uh, the coming of Christ is always supposed to be something that's right now and very imminent, not something that's far into the future or something that's going to bring about, you know, massive uh, disasters and upheaval and that sort of thing. And a, a remedy to, to all that um, sci-fi kind of stuff that's out there is reading Matthew chapters 24 and 25. In the first sermon, I'm going to put those two together. And then in the second sermon, really focus in on, on the parables in 25. Uh, the kingdom of heaven will be like. That's how Jesus begins chapter 25 and, and answering some of the concerns about the disciples about when the end was going to come and what it would be like. So he describes that in three parables, which I will tell you about in the clips. And uh, the first uh, sermon is all about the parable of the bridesmaids, and the second sermon 
Uh, again, they're repeating a lot of the background content, so we'll flip through some of that and really focus in on uh, the servant of the, the talents, the parable of the talents. So after this podcast, hopefully we'll be then on track for the Advent Christmas season and be all caught up. So that would be wonderful. That's where we're also combining these sermons together. So let's get you to uh, the first uh, sermon clips and then uh, and then a little music after that. Future tense. The kingdom of heaven will be like. And that should whet the reader's appetite just a bit to say, Oh, that's that's something I want to know. That's something I want to hear. What is it going to be like? And then in chapter 25 of Matthew, three truths. We get three different parables, three different understandings of what will happen. Three simple things. And we get there by two questions in the previous chapter. When will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? Chapter 24. So we're going to go back now to Matthew chapter 24, the very beginning of that, where the disciples are admiring the buildings of majestic Zion, of Jerusalem, the city on the hill. And as they're admiring, Jesus says, Well, I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left upon the other. They will all be thrown down. And the disciples were bothered by this. What? When will this happen? And they associated that with Jesus' coming when he comes into power, when he comes into glory. They may not have understood exactly what was going to happen, but they knew that was was somehow associated with that. But in order to understand that chapter of Scripture, which has been widely misunderstood and exploited, we have to see, no, those are two different questions. And Jesus answers them separately. To the first one, when will this happen? Not one stone being left on the other. He says, well, this is just the beginning of the birth pains. There'll be wars. and ru-. First of all, he says there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, and natural disasters. These are just, what does he say? He says these are just the birth pains. The beginning. They are not signs of the end. I have to emphasize that because what do you hear over and over again whenever there's a Hurricane Katrina, whenever there's a big tsunami, whenever there's a war breaking out in the Middle East, oh, Jesus is coming. That's what you hear. That is the exact opposite of what Jesus actually said. The opposite. He said those things are not the end. They are not signs of the end. These are birth pangs. These things must happen. They will happen. They continue to happen. As they happen, you have to continue to wait. To answer the disciples' question, he says there's going to be false messiahs followed by an abomination that causes desolation. Let the hearer understand. When those things happen, get out of town. Leave Jerusalem. Those happened within that generation. Maybe about 40 years after Jesus says these words, Romans, there's a revolt, there are false messiahs, 
some sort of abomination, don't know exactly what that is, but everything else happens exactly as Jesus says, and not one stone is left upon another. The, the city and the temple are destroyed. Jesus says specifically, this is not the end. The sign of the Son of Man will be the sun turning, or the moon turning to blood, and, and he gives these signs of the heavens, which you know, which means those are the big, when God comes, when, when, the, when it, the end is finally here, the, it'll be big, it'll be obvious. And his last point is that it will be sudden. Jesus says in his humanness, even I do not know the time or the hour. It will happen like a thief in the night to go right here to Matthew 25. It's all there in one chapter. Three parables, three simple truths. And, we, and it's simple. I emphasize that because we miss the point entirely if we make it too allegorical or too complicated. Jesus didn't communicate this way. For those, that, the, the, for those who were the learned in his day, the rabbis, the, the Talmudic scholars who picked apart every little word of the Bible. The, this means something else. This is meaning, you know, Jesus f- flew in the face of that. No, to the wise, he has made this difficult. But to the simple, he has given understanding. Maybe you with me, we are, we are the simple-minded enough to just get the, the main point, not make it too complicated. So we look at the first parable here, the bridegroom is coming. Now, in Bible days, the, the, the wedding traditions were the, the bride at some time, you wouldn't, wouldn't know exactly the time, but it would be a parade through town. You'd get the bride and take the bride into his home, and there would be a big party, a big celebration. could last for days. And it was a shared event in the whole community. Everyone enjoyed what was happening. The situation here is a, a little bit odd in that, okay, the bridesmaids are waiting to accompany the bride in for the party and so forth, and then it takes a long time. It takes so long that it's, they have their lamps. It's the middle of the night. What's going on here? And five of them did not prepare for that. They weren't ready. So they have to go out. I don't know where they're going out in the middle of the night to buy oil. Is there a 7-Eleven back there? I, you know, they sell oil at that hour. Is there a 24-7 convenience store? I don't know. But they, have to, they are not ready. They have to leave. And now the ones who were prepared go in. And now the oil, the oil. Now this is where we could preach on all different things and make this complicated. And I've heard preachers do this. Do you, need, do you have enough love to get in to heaven? Do you have enough joy in your heart to get into heaven? Do you have enough hope? Do you have enough patience? Do you have enough? And that's the question. But I don't think it's about the oil at all. I mean, you could say this means something like faith, you know, at the very least. But I don't think it's about that. I think the simplest point, the simplest way to look at this is just that, that were you ready? Were you prepared to wait? 
because it may take a long time. And boy, am I preaching in the right era, 21st century North America. Are you ready to wait? Here's an illustration of are you ready to wait. How long does it take when you're sitting with your family at a restaurant or something for someone to check this? (laughs) You're in the doctor's office waiting. It's hard. We don't, we don't want to, we have to, we have to do something. We have to read an old magazine. You have to write notes. You just can't sit there and think and, and, and do things. You're waiting for a plane to come at the airport. You're waiting, your baby is having complications. You're anxious for the baby to be born so that you can make sure that everything is all right. You're sitting there for hours in chemotherapy, not sure what's going to happen the next day, not sure, wanting everything to just be fine, wanting this whole process to be over. We don't like waiting. But that's the first truth. That's the first truth that is here. To understand that we need to sometimes wait upon the Lord so that he may renew our strength. Waiting is a spiritual discipline. And what helps us to wait? What gives us the power to do that? I could guilt you into all the, do you have enough of this? Do you have enough in your life? But what gives us enough is that we are on God's time. He took our sins on the cross and won us a place in heaven by his resurrection. He fills us with hope, with love, with joy. We have more than my cup runneth over because of what Christ has given to us and has promised us. So yes, we can be here now, present in this moment, aware of all of our blessings, aware of our grace and mercy that we have through Christ Jesus our Lord.
we need to know in three parables that answer a question of the disciples, what will be the sign of your coming? We can take a look at these three parables that Jesus gives as an answer to that question and look at them individually, really unpack them, explore them, and that's been done uh, quite a lot in Christian sermons and commentaries and so forth. I like to look at them together. Because all three in the chapter, they all three form Jesus' response. What I find very interesting is that we go from future tense and looking when our Savior is going to come again, and it takes us away from, from, from it takes our eyes away from over there to right here and now. I think that in the three parables, the bridesmaids, the talents, the sheep and the goats, what emerges from there are three simple questions. Are you prepared to wait with the bridesmaids? Some are prepared for the long wait, some are not. You do not know the day or the hour. Here in the parable of the talents, which we're taking up today, is something a little more immediate. Are you prepared right now? Are you about the master's business right now at this moment? So we go from it's going to take a long time to it's going to happen right now. Okay. And then the last one, the sheep and the goats. The famous words, which you have done for the least of these, you have done also for me. Are you making a difference? Look at right now. Are we about the master's business right now? The second parable, the tale, the parable of the talents. I wish I could almost, now, now that I say the word talents, I wish I could go back and rewrite the title of the sermon. Bethany's got talents. That'd be nice, you know, that's a nice little headline. Talents, of course, not talent like the TV show, but talents. A talent was like a, a weighted coin. It was a, it was a weight of gold or silver, and it, you could, it, it had a certain weight to it. It was a lot of money, talent. And Talents are, there's five, two, and one given to different servants. Five is really industrious in investing, two really in, in industrious. They both double their amount. And then there's one who puts it in a money pit, digs a hole deep in the, you know, into the earth, puts it in there, and uncovers it for when the master returns. Doesn't do anything with it. So what, I mean, it's fair to ask now, what, are, what does that mean? The most obvious connection between talents and, and, and today would be perhaps money. Because that was a monetary, that was money that was given to these servants to invest in and, and to make more money. So maybe it's, it's that. Oh, you know what? I, we could do this confirmation style. Let's do a multiple choice. The meaning of the talents is A, money. B, 
talents, like your abilities and talents, right? Time, talents. Is it C, the time that God gives you? Or is it D, all of the above? Confirmation class? What is, what is it usually in confirmation class when I have multiple choice? D, D thank you, yes. <laughs> usually it's all of the above when we do that. Um, and that would, because there, there's, there, and you will see lots of commentary out there about, you know, going, going for talents mean your abilities and that sort of thing, or money. You rarely see time, but that's in the mix too. The, why limit it? It's everything that God gives you. God invests in our lives, if you will. So you, we apply that spiritually. Don't give God your leftovers. Don't do don't, don't get involved in your business. But that's so hard to do, especially when you feel, and it may not, may or, you know, it doesn't matter, your perception is reality in this case, how you feel, you, sometimes you feel like you don't have enough. For me, that's time. I always feel like I don't have enough time, like I pile up these little regrets of, man, I, I would have loved to have just read this, contemplated that, uh, you know, help my youngest study or multiplication table, you know, all these different things that, oh, man, I meant to do that. That's the phrase that comes up. So uh, on the confirmation club, back to that, we have, uh, as part of our task right now, before we get back in class this Wednesday, is to memorize, I still do memorization, different parts of the catechism, and to memorize the second article and the meaning. That's what's on the table. Meant to do, so one of my regrets now, I meant to do that last week when my daughter is in confirmation this year, and we, lo and behold, we had piles of homework, different rehearsals that, that had to be attended to, different things with school, and then finally the birthday party this weekend, all these different things, and it just went kablooey. We were busy doing all those things, and so now we have to come back and say, okay, before anything, so, that, so my prayer was, okay, okay, Lord, before I get in the pulpit, <laughs> and have to have to preach on this. First thing I have to do is okay. We got to set aside some time. We give God that time first before we get busy with these other things that are important. But God comes first. It's hard, especially when you think you have so little of that time is important because we get overwhelmed. And I, I, I visit shut-ins, people who are in their homes, and they feel that they don't have a lot of ability, talent, and ability to lend to the church. They see things that are there all the time about how we need people, dedicated servants of God. The church can't go without that. And they, they sometimes will come back and apologize to me, saying, oh, I can't, I'm sorry, Pastor, I just, I, I'm not able to do that. And I said, now, wait a minute, though. God, what, what has God given you? He's given you the ability and, and the wonderful ability to be able to pray. You look in your bulletin, you have the prayer list here, and if you're able to pull that out and have the time to do that uh, and pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, pray for our church, pray for the mission of the church around the world, then you're doing, you're doing such a magnificent task. It may seem like you're not, you, it's so little to you, but in the sense of the kingdom, when you're offering that to the Lord, Oh, there's, just, there's no greater warrior in the church militant than the one who's on their knees praying for God's kingdom to come. And then it may come among us also. 
We may think that we are very stressed and have very little money to offer the Lord. We want to, there's always something we could spend our money on first. Always. There's, there's all kinds of expenses in this society today, especially if we get nickel and dime for every little thing that is out there, and it's frustrating. But the widow's, I mean, what is the consistent message of Scripture? You offer what you have. The widow's might, offered from the heart, very little in the grand scheme of things, but offered from the heart, that little bit, and the angels are singing. A few loaves, uh, oh, what do we have, Lord? We have just a loaf and a few fishes. Suddenly 5,000 people are fed. It's who we are offering it to, not what we are, is in our hand. That's the point. We offer, what do we, how do we prepare for the Lord to come? And be faithful to ready, and ready to meet that day is you don't bury it. Do we have five talents? Do we not as a church, are, are we not in, have, have such full abundance of God's grace? Don't we have the word that is preached here which grows in our hearts? Don't we have forgiveness offered here at the altar in Jesus' body and blood, washing away of our sins in baptism? Do we not have the reconciliation, the mutual upholding of the brethren, of the brothers and sisters of Christ here at Bethany Lutheran Church? We have all these things which are vehicles for God's grace. Five talents right there. And that's what increases. And when that's invested in our lives, it grows. Do we not have uh, two talents where two or three are gathered together? Our Lord is there in the midst of them. That's the promise that we have in the Bible. We're not meant to just be lone rangers. We're meant to be a church working together. We had a folk person here from uh, New Hope Housing to talk about the, the hypothermia program that is out there. And that can't, as interested as I am, there's no way I could, you know, you can't do, this isn't meant for one person to do by themselves. It impacts greatly for one night. If you get a few people together, you know, all of a sudden you have the meal. One person has the ability to cook, but they don't like to be there with the people. That's okay. Some people have the tolerance of, uh, and, and empathy to be able to do that. God puts, that's to me is a microcosm of this whole church where God puts all these different, somebody has the gift to greet people out there, somebody is able to clean up the vessels for communion, someone is able to, uh, to, to interface with, with a funeral home when they come in for a funeral service. And all these things come together to make Bethany Lutheran Church. That's God's doing. Just putting two or three gathered together and, and, and so much can come as a result of that. We, do we have one talent one talent that we dare not bury. So Confirmation Club, if you're memorizing the second article and its meaning, if there's one thing that you take from that, even if you don't get every word correct, this is the part I want you to underline and highlight. It is not with silver or gold. We are not redeemed, purchased and won. Purchased and won, not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We have that talent. We don't, we don't dare bury that. That's something that is meant to grow in our hearts, to grow in our community. That is eternal love that will bring us and make us ready for the time where our Lord comes again. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds forever on Christ Jesus. Amen.
we rise to confess our faith.